Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Right now, we're continuing our interview with Jordan Paris, and last we left off, we were talking about how Jordan's network introduced him to more people. And if you'd like a neatly laid out format for Jordan's podcasting and networking knowledge, there's a free resource article titled Contacts, Emails, and Research, Oh My, a Beginner's Podcast Bundle, waiting for you in the bio below. Let's jump back into the interview. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's because, you know, having a village is extremely helpful and you created a great village where you said, Hey, I'm, you know, this young up and coming podcaster. I really want to interview these people. You like looking at someone, you're absolutely amazing. Can I talk with you? And you know, you can, um, obtain, not obtain, but you can have that surrounding platform where people just want to help you introduce you to more people. And then after a certain point, now you're the person that's helping others. Now you're the person who has that good platform and you're like, oh, cool. Like now I can help introduce. Now I have friends like, cause again, you know, like you said, uh, in your relationship with Grant Cardone, you're like, oh, it's not exactly there yet, but you know, you always want to develop those. Um, so you get to that point where, you know, Grant, you and Grant are like, you know, good friends and, uh, yeah. And the way that happens is like, I like to the the long term goal and I you know I've started doing it is just converting these remote interviews and parlaying them into in person interviews down the line. Mm-hmm. And like I'll do an in person interview with Grant, you know, and we'll we'll see if we can become friends. I don't know if I if I'll like him or in person or not, you know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll like each other, but <laughs> we're both very annoying in our own ways, so I don't know. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen much of his work. I'm, I've I've always been kind of curious because yeah. you hear about 10x all the time, but yeah. And you know, in terms of you, you bring up a lot of stats, statistics, even in just conversation, you do a lot of research, and that's something I'm really curious about. Is when you have these guests you're about to interview, um, mm. what is that research process that you? Uh, do like is it a ritual do you have certain questions is there certain things that you're looking for and how do you translate translate that over into uh, an episode yeah it's a good question because um yeah i do i do a lot of research thanks for recognizing that and i uh yeah one of the first things i do is i go to uh spotify uh uh, because they have a really good search function where i can look up ava wetrick and then see all podcast episodes and then see every podcast that you've ever been a guest on. Oh, wow. And it's so it's very helpful in that way. And so I'll just cue them up. And because um, I like to listen in this really weird app called Radio Public. Um, I'm the only one that uses it. <laughs> so I like to find it. Then I like to find them in there to like listen to them later. Um, but uh, so I'll listen to a bunch of podcasts that they've been on. And um you know, I'll know the places not to go, like the things that they talk about all the time. Um, but, but a lot of times, Ava, when I'm reaching out to someone, I already have in mind like a, something specific that I want to learn from them, something I really want to hone in on over the whole episode. Um, so, and, and, and those, like, for example, I got two examples here, like, you know, this physicist that's, that, that, that's all about cannabis and obviously like there's a natural line of questions that comes from like just figuring out cannabis. So that was like the easiest interview to prepare for ever. Cause that was the only thing we were supposed to talk about. It's the only thing I wanted to talk about. And there was a lot of things I wanted to know. So just, I just had all these questions. Um, and then someone else, you know, I, I wanted them on the podcast because 
you know, this is not your average coach. Like this person has like an extremely scalable coaching business where she doesn't really have to do a ton of fulfillment on, you know, on, on the product service. Like she, and, and she's my age and she's absolutely crushing it, you know, approaching like millions of dollars per year, you know? Um, and she's, she's just, I, I've never seen anyone do coaching better than her. And the best part about it, she makes so much money for her clients. Like I have seen. Yeah. And she show and she shows people all the time. Yeah. It's really great. Um, so I wanted to talk to her about that. About the, yeah, like how her, do you do that? About her whole business model and every yeah, and how do you do that? So um but then yeah, I'll just listen to podcasts typically with the person and um I'll just jot down a bunch of notes, like bullet points, short, uh, have them in my notes on my phone, and then I'll transfer them on my computer here to Microsoft OneNote. And that's where I and then I have another computer set up here with Microsoft OneNote open. <laughs> and um and I just because I make questions out of the notes. Um, I'll be, you know, in the podcast a lot of times, you know, as a podcaster, as an interviewer, as a questioner myself, they won't ask the question that you're that you like the host won't ask the question that, that you're like praying for them to like ask you know um it's hard to explain but i don't know i just I, like they you know the guest says something and, and it makes you wonder and then they never get to it and so i'm like oh yeah i'll ask you know ask them about that and then I, you know, I put all these bullet points make them into questions put them in a logical order and really the idea though the best podcasts, you throw that whole list out. Yes, the first question and the first question last the whole episode. Those are my favorite. Yeah, to where it just becomes a really interesting conversation. And exactly. as everything kind of blossoms out of curiosity. Kind of like my podcast with you almost two years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. That was yeah. seriously one of the most fun episodes. Uh, one of the most fun interviews I think I had because we just kept talking. <laughs> I know. It was, it was an hour and a half. I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. Goodness. We were, yeah, popping <laughs> off, popping off. But yeah, no, it, I think, I think it's wonderful. And I think the, I think the research process is so important because I know in past content you've created that you have a, you have a sense of pride where you're like, Hey, I ask really cool questions because I do a lot of research and I do a lot of digging. Yeah. So I was super curious on, you know, what that research process yeah. looks like. Cause some people can just, you know, look up a few articles or maybe you just check out the LinkedIn profile. So sure. you're only going uh. like so to get like the shallow questions, right? Yeah. Which is nothing bad. Cause sometimes it's the first introduction an audience has to a guest. So maybe yeah, yeah. it's a good thing to ask like, Hey, what, what doing yeah, um, yeah. and you go deeper after that but look you know yeah website too um uh you know i don't read every guest book but uh you know because that's just not really reality but um but some of them yeah and you know sometimes i just like you know i just i just get it i'm not gonna have the whole thing read by then i'm this book i'm holding up now um back to human uh but uh but i have it and i you know i page through it for now um, until I get to reading it later. Cause I've been on the same book for like six months. It's like 600 pages. It's I'm like, like, what book is it? Robert green. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> human, human nature or small text, human nature. Oh goodness. And yeah. I'm going to do 48 laws of power next. So it's going to be a year of Robert green <laughs> straight. 
I I think I I'll share with I'll share with you later. I think I have a bit of a tactic that might be able to help you out uh. in terms of reading. Like I've been able to like tear through a book a week through this like tactic that I've how's discovered. Your, how's your retention? Honestly, really well because I've been able to pair it with journaling. Um, because like if you read a book really fast, you can take away only so much from it. But if you take the time to pause and really like listen to a chapter, you're like, whoa, now let's apply it to my life. And that's like all that's a whole journaling process. And then you can uh -huh. go back to a next chapter. It's really it's been a it's been really insightful and really interesting. Yeah, I can see how the writing, the writing part of it definitely boosts their attention. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting the the amount of knowledge you can acquire really fast. That's been like my favorite part of the college experience is yeah. just being able to read my own books, right? Because like mm -hmm. in the background you have like, you know, your everything's filled with books. I can see Tim Ferriss. I saw Grant Cardone. I can see. It's hard yeah. to tell. Like, Tim Ferriss is also there. Manson. Yeah, um, yeah, Mark Manson. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. I'll tell you the the most that I've ever gotten out of books was when I first started reading as a seventeen year old. And from 17 to 19, I have it, the, the notebooks up, um, leaning against the wall there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I wrote a lot of notes on every book that I read. Tony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within has 40 full pages of notes. And the books that I took these notes on, I got the most out of, unsurprisingly. And I don't take notes anymore. Haven't for three years. I, I highlight and and I and and it has been helpful where I go back and reference something where I like you know some I, something pops up in my head and and or something's applicable to my life and and I'll go back and reference it like it's happened a number of times with Robert Greene's book already and I'm not even like done but yeah no I mean and it's gonna be so cool you know you have that notebook for years and you can just like you know plop that down your kid's desk one day and be like hey this is what I did when I was 17 <laughs> uh, take a look here <laughs> see what's popping that's you know that's I found journaling to be really really helpful and I always make sure to write things down because you remember it a lot better do you know why like you've transitioned away from journaling when it comes to obtaining like yeah journal? yeah I'm just I'm just lazy that's there's, no, <laughs> there's no other way to say it <laughs> like, like I, <laughs> I mean I and I really I don't have an excuse like I I just don't I'm trying to like manufacture one right now and I can't even think of something it's just me well I mean you know it, it depends like it depends on how much your mental energy is going into every like every one thing you know what I mean you know what it is? Okay. Mm. I remember in 2018. Yes, it was 2018. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Did the Goodreads reading challenge to track how many books I read that year. And I had a goal of like 20 something and I ended up doing reading 31 books that year. There's a side effect to that. It became, I, it was gamified. And so I was just trying to get through as many books as possible. And I'd be, I'd, I'd find myself rushing and just couldn't, I couldn't wait to finish a book. That's why now in, I, cause I, you know, in 2019, in 2018, it was cool to see that 31 books. And I got to brag about it. I got to be subtly pretentious about it. And then 2019, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not. So now, so it's like, okay, I'm okay that I've been reading the laws of human nature for since, um, 
August, you know, like it's totally, I don't, I don't really care. Um, cause I'm not tracking the number anymore. Um, and I've, and so I, so I've thought about, I've thought about just consolidating everything. I don't know if that's the right word, but just taking a pause on, on reading and just going through all these books that I've already read and already made highlights in and just literally writing about it kind of which is which is so great so great that you do that just just press and pause and and shoring up on all on on the things i learned from that going through them again um because i think doing that for a whole year going through all the books i previously read i think it would be way more beneficial than reading 12 new books um now you can't go through old books that you've already read every single year. Cause then you end up learning nothing new. Um, but I think, I think a, a whole of one full year of that, I think it'd be really beneficial. Um, when am I going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, there's so many books that, you know, you can really take away from like, um, you know, some books can impact you. Like you're like, Oh, like that was cool to learn this, you know, for this month or this couple weeks, but there's some books that can really, really hit home with you and really impact, you know, how you see the world or how you see yourself and how to grow and improve yourself or your vision of the world. Yeah. And those are the ones that you should, those are the ones that are super important to come back to. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder though, like what the laws of human nature is like making, you know, how, how that's impacting my life. You know, as you're, you know, as you're kind of posing this, this question, uh, you know, the, the ones that really, that really impact you, how I'm trying not to become like a manipulative piece of shit. <laughs> like uh, Robert Green can make you accidentally be that really fast. I'll yeah. tell you that much. <laughs> It's it's a, it's it's a little scary. It's a in the yeah. wrong hands. These the books that he's created, that he's created can be really really dangerous. Yeah, because like the thing I value most is kindness, mm-hmm. and I just want to make sure I'm not, especially with doing Forty Eight Laws of Power next. Yeah, supposedly, I don't want to cross that boundary. I still want to be like a really kind person. That's what I want to be known as. Yeah, I I have been able to just like read a few chapters or listen to a few chapters of both books. And I mean, it's a scary thing. Like, and especially to the immature mind, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's super appealing. I actually, there was a kid I didn't even know who I was like, I glanced over across the table and was like, are you reading 48 Laws of Power? And he's like, yeah, I just dove into it. Like, how do you know? And I was like, okay, just know, like, that's a great book, but like, use that knowledge to you know use what you remember for good and he was telling me a completely different story where he was like no like i want to learn how to like you know how to essentially just control people i think manipulation is important i was like dude like that's not what it's about it's not and from robert green i think the biggest thing you can take away is of course like you you can definitely learn how to become an evil person you can definitely learn how to control people or you can utilize, like you can know how to spot it and utilize it for good. Yeah. So instead of like, again, like negotiation, a lot of people can think is, uh, you know, manipulation, but it's not, you know, you want the best outcome for both people. And while you have an agenda and you want something, right, you're not going to deliberately tear someone else apart or tear someone down in order to get it. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Is it like, you know, is, is it like beneficial to both parties maybe? 
Could yeah, be. To, could be. Yeah, to where it could be beneficial for both parties or just like no one gets hurt. Robert Greene does an interesting job of saying, hey, you can either do this or you can spot when it's happening and try to avoid it. Mm. And that's what some of the takeaways for me were, especially with human nature, because a big topic he has in the very middle is narcissism. Yeah, I love it's my favorite section. Yeah. And I'm oh, a it's... full blown narcissist. So. <laughs> I, people don't know my internal thoughts. People, everyone tells me like, no, you're not Jordan, but it's like, you don't even know. Like, I'm just such a piece of crap. <laughs> oh, but, well, you know, you, you learn so much and especially like, again, there's, the the term sociopath and psychopath yeah. have been such a predominant term recently and when you dive into that research every everyone kind of is like oh my god like i think i might be a sociopath or something. yeah yeah so yeah that's what that's that's what yeah like a lot of there, there are certain things that i read in the laws of human nature that i just i'm like yeah that describes me mm -hmm. like these are these are all my symptoms uh and and so it does make me quite a lot of things make me question myself in there <laughs> oh absolutely and it's it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting after you finish that book it's gonna be really interesting to see like you know what you want to do with that knowledge afterwards because i can re i'll read books like that and it's like I, I can start pinpointing all of my friends or people that i'm around and i'm like whoa like that person i know does this this person i know does that some of them could be good habits and then some of them could be really bad traits so then you just have to decide for yourself like well what do what do i want to do with this knowledge and information and how do i want to change that or enhance that i think where it comes from for me and the reason I started reading about human nature in general and communication, um, one of my favorite books, the science of or, you know, um, captivate the science of succeeding with people by Vanessa Van Edwards. My, one of my superheroes, uh, a social superhero. And, um, the reason I started on that, that path of learning all that, it's my favorite thing to learn. Um, because, you know, going back to like the start of this episode, like I, I had one friend in high school and I just, I was so like depression in isolation is, it distorts it to the point where it seems so much worse than it actually is. And um, it's just almost unbearable. And so I just knew I, I needed friends. And I think, and now, and, 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 and Captivate really helped me do that. And, and there's really nothing that you can use in there that could like hurt people. There just isn't. Um, that's just a, a book about like, uh, it's just an awesome book. I, I, I love it. It's, it's the science of how to win friends and influence people. It's exactly what it is. And, and, and that's, I think she even says that too, in, in a podcast interview that she did a while ago, um, because that was one of her favorite books. Um, so it was kind of the inspiration for this one. And, and because like, you don't, there's no science in how to win friends and influence people. It, there, you know, there's anecdotal stories and it's awesome. It's, and there's a reason it's a classic book, but I just got off on this one so much because it's the science of it. Um, but now with the laws of human nature, I feel like it's more, it, it still comes from that need of, of friends and maybe even dark side of it, attention. And, and it, it's me like not wanting to control people just, but just wanting to, have a grasp of my relationships and, and being able to read between the lines and know what's going on and where I stand and where they stand. And, uh, so in a roundabout way control, but not in that, in like the way that we were talking about earlier of like manipulation, but just having a control, a firm grasp of, of, of my relationships. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's my, I think that's why, that's why I've dived into that book. Um, it's still, it's still that insecurity a little bit from high school.
in terms of in terms of just like empathy alone you know, i can empathize with that and i think everyone can when it comes to relationships when it comes to people that you know you want to make sure you have a good standing with right you are going to want to toggle and find out as many ways as possible and reaffirm yourself as like you know is this a good relationship am i your friend do you think i'm your friend is this going well is this conversation good please don't hate me i want to make sure that you really don't hate me and i'm going to try everything possible to seem impressive or kind or nice in order for you to get to like me because i really hope that you do uh i, I think everyone can really relate to that and experience that well, as you mentioned being impressive uh i impressing people is almost like the the need to impress people is almost like a form of neediness mm -hmm. it's it's this overcompensation and and i feel like a lot of my my life the past few years has just been this need to impress it's been like like just because of that bad high school experience like i've had this need to prove people wrong and just like i just overcompensated to the max um, and you know, and it's worked and we see where my life is right now as a 22 year old, like it's great and it's going to continue to be great. And I'm, you know, I'm not speaking for him, but I spent on, plan on talking about this with Dan Chabelle. Um, but he was talking about, he's talked about this on numerous podcasts, how very similar experience, you know, being bullied in high school, which I actually did experience too. And, um, they're just being bullied in school all these years and, and his twenties, were just this massive overcompensation and just this need to success and by extension really impress. And, and I get all the time, like one of the number one things I get from like peers and people in our space, Ava is like, you know, you're so, you're so impressive. Like, like this is so impressive, you know, about like what I do. And I'm, and I'm like, ah, you know, I, I really don't aim to impress any, like, I don't want to aim to impress anymore. That's a sign that I'm like, that, that I'm on the, not on the mark. Um, if all I do is impress, I'm really not doing too well. I need to like, like it needs to actually inspire to use a cliche word. I'd rather inspire than, than impress. Impre be, impressing people is useless. Yeah. You, it sounds like you are wanting to come down to the level of authenticity yeah to where and again like in in full vulnerability and full transparency i'm very guilty of the same thing and it was painful to hear the other day um a friend of mine he like for a school project he was going to be doing like a mini documentary over my life and he was talking to his mom about it and his mom was present in the room and he said if he said a line that really hurt me because it, mm. it was it was it was painfully like it's what i've seen through my life and he said you know, a lot of adults see Ava as a child and her peers see her as an object. And she's in, and that's the premise of, of, of this. And I've never thought about it like that. I've never seen myself as that, but it really rung true. And I was like, oh, oh shit, this is why I feel the need to impress. And this is why I feel the need to overcompensate is because I want to be seen as a, as you know, a human being and as a person that is like, that has done things with my life and not just some, um, you know, kid or not just some like, oh, like, oh, you should look at this little, little pretty little girl. Look at you, you know, do your thing. Like, you know, I've, I've been so against that, that I have, I've always, I'll always try to interject the fact that no, I like, I'm a thinking, breathing person and I, and I can talk and I have these abilities and maybe you don't, but I'm going to let you know otherwise. So yeah, like it, it's such a, and I'm glad that you kind of come to these realizations and I'm glad that you want to strive for this authenticity because as what I've been learning is that's where the real impact is.
that's where the real value comes from. Yeah. And that's when you can really start to see um, the benefits and the fruits of your labor when people come to you and they can say like, you know, Jordan in Paris has impacted my life in a beautiful way because he's been loving or because he's been kind or because he's been a great friend or because, you know, he did this one interview and he asked this one question that I've always wanted to ask this guest, mm -hmm. right? Like, it, you know, it could go, it can go off in a plethora of ways. And I'm glad that, because we're all learning, we're all growing. You've taken the time to be like, dang, like this is, this is what I want for myself. And I want to start heading off in this direction. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> but yeah, th thank you, Ava. Yeah. Oh, of course. Appreciate that. It's, no, of course. You know, even like by extension too, um, you know, like this episode I have coming out about um, coaching with my good friend, Lauren, Lauren Tickner that I was talking about that I referenced earlier. Like, I really think the ripple effect of that episode in terms of making a lot of money for a lot of people over the next few years, once that episode comes out, I really do think it's going to be spectacular. Like I want to be able to do that for people rather than just impress. Like have an actual, like, like a real, I hate this word so much. You're gonna say, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so I hate that word. <laughs> I know the English dictionary. We're not that good at it, but, yeah. but it's true, but it's true. I, you know, um, a quite, you know, this is, this might be an interesting question. Cause I know you talk a lot about how, what, what's it called? Sponsorships. You're like, Oh, I didn't really go for sponsorships. I went for creating a business for my podcast. And what is the impact you've seen from that rather than just doing sponsorships? What is the impact you've seen about creating like a business and, you know, you're going out and you basically now you just do a lot of podcast consulting where you're like, well, now I help everyone else with their stuff. What is, what is the process like there you know what have you seen grow from that well i mean it's just uh it's just a a, a fulfilling business model that i like am in control of um whereas like a sponsor you know a sponsorship like i'm not really not 100 in control of you know um if i if you know say you have fifteen thousand listeners every single episode you put out an episode every single week you have a sponsor every single week and they pay you $30 per 1000 impressions, which is like pretty average. It's between 15 and $45. So 30 is pretty fair to say, uh, 15 and $40. I think I forget, but, um, you know, so $30 per thousand impressions and you make $23,400 per year like that, that sucks. And what if they don't re up? What if they don't like something you said? What if, I mean, it's really, it's hard to track leads. Like what if they're not getting enough? leads directly from your podcast. So it's just really not a winning business model. The winning business model has been building a business around my podcast. And, you know, obviously a, a marketing and production agency for podcasters, people come to me for me and it doesn't like this business doesn't work without my own successful podcast. And there's a lot that goes into that, but, uh, but, but yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. My world is like podcasts as, as it stands now. Um, you know, who knows what it'll be 10 years from now. Cause I anticipate the landscape of this industry will, will, will change a lot, potentially disappear. Who knows? You know, you never know. Um, and I'm ready for that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just, it'll parlay right into the next thing. Yeah, no. And I think, I don't know, you, you know, we're both at a really young time in our lives whatever is going to happen in the next six months or 
a year, two years is going to be super exciting. Like, oh, yeah. Not even 10 years. I like sometimes I'll tell people like, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in the next six months, but I'm excited for it. So just even looking at the term of a year or two years, it's going to be incredible. And Jordan. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. You see, you you read you you got my mouth gesture. I was about to talk. So you pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, you know, I I've always been, you know, I, you know, especially we we're coming up on this new decade. And I was like, just thinking on New Year's Eve, like, imagine where, you know, uh, where we're all, you know, where we're going to be, because with a group of people where we're going to be 10 years from now. Um, and just imagine how our, our lives will have changed and all the, uh, and uh, it's like, I'm just really excited for everyone and, and my life. And, um, but now, and then, I, so I was listening to Cal Fussman with Kobe Bryant. And the last question was, it was, um, you know, Cal went to this party where he, you know, you show up as someone, as the person you're going to be five years from now, you dress as that person. And when you get there, you explain yourself who you are five years from now. And so he asked, and this was January, 2018. And he asked Kobe, like, so who, you know, you know, gave the context the way I just gave it and said, who are you going to be five years from now? And he was, and I, and as soon as he said that question, I literally just said out loud, God, that's unfortunate. Like, like this question, you know, uh, like in hindsight, this question, Jesus Christ, um, just tragic. And, and Kobe's like, you know, just another curious mind, uh, and, uh, but so it's a, it's a shame that five years from that date, he's, he doesn't exist. Like, like, like he's, you know, he's gone. And, um, so we very well could be too. So I like thinking out a little in a little shorter of, of time spans. Uh, now, like you say, you say, you know, six months. Um, but then again, we still don't even, we don't even know. Um, so, so, you know, I've been asked before, you know, um, I, I was in like class, uh, you know, like first day of class, like a few semesters ago, maybe like a year ago. And, um, you know, like what, you know, what's your goal for the semester? Everyone goes around and says what their goal is. And, and, uh, I said, I, I said this all the time. I didn't just say it there, but I was like, my goal is to enjoy today. And, you know, people laugh and I laugh with them and, uh, you know, I, cause I, you know, I say it with a smug little smile on my face. Oh yeah. <laughs> as one would, as one would. But, but that's, yeah, yeah. That's the goal to enjoy today. You know, we can, we can, we can imagine all that and fantasize about, you know, the future um, that, that is likely to come to pass, but you're not sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond important to enjoy that day. I was actually listening to a sermon right before I got on here with you about workaholism. Mm. My church is, you know, really wonderful. I always have to stream it online because I'm not home, but they were talking about, you know, the difference between just working hard and being a workaholic. And it was awful to hear because, you know, while we have the sense of pride around workaholism, that it actually really damages you. And you can miss out on your life. You can miss out on your family's lives um, just by always grinding your gears and always doing something um, and how you need to take time to be there 
for yourself, be there for other people, be there for your family, because otherwise, you know, what's the point? What's the point of, of being on your deathbed? Yeah. Well, what are some, uh, some of the characteristics of, of the workaholic? Did they, did they outline that? Like, like oh, yeah. for example, like checking your email outside of work hours, like, did they say stuff like that? Yeah. Well, they said they were, I think there was six or eight specific things they talked about. And actually that's where I had to pause it. And I was like, I, I was, I felt so guilty. Cause I was like, I'm doing research on Jordan thinking things out right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but a couple of them, they did talk about the, the, some of the things I outlined was like one of them that hit me the most. Cause I remember hearing it was like, do you work all the time just because you feel the need to? Because I literally told Sam Lister yesterday yeah. that I tried to be a 19-year-old for, for yesterday for a day, and I didn't do any work, and it just – I was nothing but anxious. I know. And I was like yeah, – you know, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they were asked, like, are you workaholic? Like, do you need to – like, do you feel a void, and do you need to fill it with work? Is Because like, if so, you're kind of on this line. Uh, and I was like, oh, dang, like I told someone yesterday and that's the exact definition. And so yeah, I, I remember me too. Of that. <laughs> I, I, Void is the perfect way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> you're like, Otherwise, like what am I supposed to be doing with my time? Like I can't be on TikTok. Yeah. Like, the, however, okay, I felt that mm -hmm. way. But until I, I had that little adventure in Israel for 10 days a few weeks ago that um, I just realized how I want my life to be like. I didn't bring my computer, which was mm. amazing. And I was yeah. on my phone instead of three hours and 50 minutes per day, an hour and 40 minutes per day. And and the only time I was on my phone was like during like travel time, like going from like Jerusalem to, or Beresheba to Jerusalem or, you know, wherever, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was travel time that I was on my phone. So um, it was just being around people all day, doing awesome things like climbing mountains and 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 i didn't have any guilt anxiety about not working zero like i didn't <laughs> i didn't think about business once yeah. and that was the first time since i started this journey that that's happened in my life mm. what do you think it was i think it was the environment and the people it was just a really perfect storm and, and not having my computer like you yeah. like without without you'll find a way to live you know, like you you'll you might kick and scream in the beginning but you'll you'll find a way to make it happen the same way you have to pay taxes like you know mm -hmm. you, you'll kick and scream but you, you'll do it you got it or do it, yeah. you'll be in prison so is there is there a way that you've wanted to recreate your environment like that at mm, home mm, mm. right now um my excuse is like you know, I'm waiting to graduate in a couple of months. And, um, oh. cause I, I just don't, um, because I plan on traveling a lot more and, um, and, and I plan on not taking my computer and, um, I like right now I, you know, I'm like tied to a location. Like I got to be back for school every week. So I don't, I can't take these like extended trips. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, and it's like totally doable and, you know, cause like I set up someone, Julian to, uh, run the business while I was gone. And, um, and so it's like, it's totally doable. Um, like doesn't, doesn't really require me all the time. So, um, 
it's a work in progress. I don't really have a definitive answer to that right now. Um, I, I yeah. think I am going to figure it out over the next year. Yeah. I think it'll be really, really, really fun. Like I haven't been able to, you know, I have a dorm room and that's an environment and I've been able to create like a corner for reading, a corner for working, a corner for sleeping. But I think it's going to be really fun um, to see what happens after you graduate because then yeah. you'll have a whole either house or apartment or, you know, maybe a van. Like I've seen people just live in vans and that's like, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, I might be, um, I might be back in Israel real soon. Um, just going through the the process right now, the application process. Um, I might be a a volunteer as a teacher in Israel next year for the twenty twenty one school year for ten months. So um, I don't know. I remember I remember like in elementary school, like you know, thinking being a teacher would be like really cool one day because I admired the really cool teachers, like. Um, you know, like I can think of a couple of people in my school, like your father, like I just, and I just wanted to be like, I wanted to be one of those cool teachers. <laughs> oh yeah. That oh, makes, yeah. that makes learning fun. Like I can think of Miss Ames and Miss Hughes in fifth grade. Um, I can think of Mr. Groob in third grade. And then I can think of Mrs. The horrible Mrs. Moser in fourth grade that just, I like, she was equally as much of an inspiration to become a teacher too. Um, because I don't want to be like that. Like I've seen both sides um, and, and even in, you know, higher up and professors uh, you know, I've seen both sides there too. Um, so I think it'd be a really cool thing to do on a volunteer basis. And, and, uh, and, and for, for, you know, not that for not, not for, you know, 50 years, but you know, for a year. Um, and I, and, and I think just being back in Israel will, will be a perfect environment for, for, just being me and and living and experiencing, especially now that I have like friends in Israel too. That's the best part. You just crash with them. That's yeah. awesome. I think I come from a long line of teachers and I've seen a lot of benefit in just being a good teacher because mm. you really, there will, you'll have those kids that you can really inspire their minds or you can, you see those kids and, and maybe they're struggling for some reason. And a lot of times it's outside of academics um I, like seriously like i've seen my dad be a father to so many right like and and it used to and i'm not gonna lie it used to bug me as a kid because i was like no that's that's my dad like that's not <laughs> your dad that's my dad but as i got older you realize that teachers are second parents um if they if they want to be and a lot of times they'll impact students in beautiful ways not just in terms of academics but in terms of figuring out life mm -hmm. and figuring out who they are so um being that for other people is one of the greatest things i think you can ever be i agree I, you know my first personal training client many years ago was this you know his mom hired me he was this 14 year old kid and um our friendship the way our friendship has developed over the past three years um, has just been amazing. And, and I, you know, I can speak confidently in that, like, I've definitely been this big influence on, on his life. Um, and it's just been like a really, really fulfilling thing. Um, it's really hard to describe without bragging too. Um, I don't know. It's just been, I mean, it's been beneficial for both of us really. And, and it would be really cool to, it's different than, like the impact the podcast makes. It's way different than that. Like this is face to face, like human to human. Um, you get to see it. So I, it'd be cool to do that times 20 in a classroom. 
Yeah. It, if you allow it to, it'll manifest in beautiful ways. It's awesome. And that's such a beautiful note to end on. Like Jordan, I could talk to you all day. I know. Really- I know. We, we do that every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll probably end up talking more after this. Yeah. But seriously, like, um, you know, where can everyone find you? Where can everyone look up your stuff and where can everyone uh, get into contact with you? Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, sometimes I, sometimes I'm feeling this way. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I say like, yeah, I'm not into that, all, all that self-promotion stuff, but today, I don't know. I, you can, I mean, you can find me at jordanparis.com if you really want, and you can find everything there. <laughs> Every, everything will come from there. If you're really curious, you can find the podcast there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for catching up and thank you so much for coming on and imparting, imparting your wisdom and, and being really open and vulnerable. I find it a, such a huge benefit when guests can come on and just be really uh, raw and authentic. Thanks for getting the best out of me. You're a good asker of questions. And and you go with the conversation. Like I've I've seen podcast hosts that that do stick to that list of questions and they and they and they hear your answer and they're like, okay, next question. It's like an interrogation. So this is great. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview series. I would love to know some of your best takeaways. You can find me easily on LinkedIn or Instagram just by searching Ava Wetrick, and I'll happily get back to you and have a conversation. If you really enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a rating in iTunes. That act will compound in ways that I can't even imagine. As you have just found a mentor here, go out into the world and see who you can be a mentor to today.